Wow. Don't you love the Lord? Yes. <laughs> really enjoyed uh, that the wonderful, all-inclusive, all-extensive Christ has come to live in us. Is that not amazing? Yes. It's amazing. Okay, well, today we kind of have a, we're um, going to do a breakout session. And um, did everybody get an outline? Does everybody have an outline? All right. Great. And let's read the title together. How do you know Christianity is right? So, you know, I'm going to have to, obviously, this is a very big topic. So I'm just uh, hitting the, you know, high points. And uh, there's obviously much more than what I can cover in 45 minutes. Um, but we'll give it a shot. And so uh, to start with, I'd just like to talk to you all about what's on the board here. Uh, the difference between uh, natural religion and revelational religion. Okay, natural religion is basically starting with man. <laughs> man is the beginning, he's the center, and he is seeking God. Okay, so the, in natural religion we have man, um, and these pens don't work too well up here, but uh, sorry about that, but man is seeking God. Now the reason for this is, of course, the way God created us. We know from uh, Ecclesiastes 3.11 that he created us with eternity in our heart. This is a divinely implanted sense of purpose, which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. So there's something inside of man that is Godward, just wants to know God. Not to mention that in Psalm 19, we find out that the universe, that the heavens and the earth are nonstop speaking forth God. <laughs> the heavens and the earth actually are speaking in a, in a nonverbal language. The glory of God. Every day. Every sunrise, sunset, and so forth. Okay, so this is natural religion. So man spontaneously wants to know God. Let's, let's go find him. Is he in this stone? Maybe if we set this thing up, you know, if we lay down on this bed of nails, I mean, maybe, okay, then it rained. Um, you know, that must be the way. So it's us seeking God. Now, the revelational religion is basically God seeking man. Okay, now God has uh, an intention and he wants to uh, reveal himself to man, okay? He wants to reach man. He wants to contact man. He wants to have something to do to man. In other words, he didn't just create everything and throw it out like a bunch of uh, pickup sticks and just let it all fall and wait to see what happened. <laughs> but he wants to get involved and find and seek man. Okay, so we are going to come from the side of kind of as a supposition that firstly, our first supposition tonight is that God exists. Okay, so we're not going to argue that point tonight. All right. The second point we're going to suppose or, or base our discussion on is that we are, God is seeking man. God wants to have a relationship with man. God wants to reveal himself to man. So that's the second supposition. All right. Um, well, if God is going to reveal himself to man, Basically, he's going to have to do it in some kind of way a human, that humans can understand, or by human means. Okay? And we know, basically, when it comes to communication, there's two big ways that we can communicate with one another. One is speaking, and the other is writing. Okay? These are two huge avenues of communication, speaking and writing. Okay? So firstly, um, we want to consider uh, the second, and that is writing. If God wants to reveal himself to man, if he wants to say something to man, perhaps he would write something to man, right? Would he put it in a book, okay? 
Well, if we want to uh, find out, hey, let's see if, uh, if there's a book on the earth that might be God's book, might be God's uh, message, God's revelation to man. Okay, so we've got to consider the books. So you, the first thing is to test the books. And so we have some tests here in point one there. Uh, it, firstly, the book needs to be about God. And it needs to say that it is from God. It needs to say that the author is God. Then it needs to carry, obviously, a high moral tone. Uh, tell us of things past and future uh, of, of the world. Tell us of the past and future of the world. And also, it should be simple enough for people to understand it and be available to people. So these are the, the four tests. I, you know, you could, you could add more tests if you'd like. These are the four tests we're using tonight. And if you consider all the books... And of course, I don't know of every single book on the earth. I don't think any of us do. But, but basically, there's a number of books that come to mind. There's, uh, you know, the writings of Confucius. And uh, very ethical, philosophical. Um, and many, many people are, live under these teachings. Guess what? The writings of Confucius do not claim to be written by God. They do not claim to be God's word. Okay, so that one kind of doesn't, <laughs> doesn't pass um, test one. And then you have the Rig Veda in India, and this is a uh, book of the Hindus, the Hindu religion. And guess what? Their, their book also does not claim to be God's word. Is that not something? Okay, um, does not claim to be of divine origin. And then we have, there's another one. I'm... My wife said I shouldn't bring up too many of these, but anyway, Avista, it's a, 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 a guy, these, in Persia, this is a big book, the uh, Zori, Zoroaster, I think there's a whole religion around this guy. Um, he ha, uh, wrote this book, the Avista, and th that religion follows this, these writings, but this book does not claim to be from God either. And uh, the moral tone of that book, by the way, is not very high. So there's a number of other books and other uh, cultures and so forth, basically very similar. No good teachings, very, you know, maybe some of them more moral, ethical, whatever, but not claiming to be God's word or from God. So then you come to a big one, that's the Koran. The Koran does claim divine authorship. So does the Book of Mormon and the Bible. So these three all claim to be God's word. And as far as I know, these are the three big ones. Um, that uh, we need to concern ourselves with as far as this, this piece, is, piece goes. Okay, so then you go to the point two. So those three pass the first test. Then you have point two. Test two is carries a high moral tone. Well, when you come to the um, Koran, <laughs> that book, when you um, die and go, you know, if, I guess if you pass the test and go to heaven, there are all kinds of uh, sensual pleasures and even kind of lustful things waiting for you there. I mean, you can have basically as many women as you want. <laughs> okay, that is not a high moral tone. Okay, and the uh, Book of Mormon, of course, has uh, the matter of polygamy. There's some other issues there uh, with some racism uh, that are still uh, in. Actually, I think the part about the racism was changed in the 1960s. Okay, so the, the, the Book of Mormon was changed to match the um, society of the time. But in the Bible, um, <laughs> the Bible has a very, very high moral tone. There was one, um, one opposer of the Bible, and this person said, I have to condemn the Bible. If I do not condemn it, it will condemn me. <laughs> so, 
And that's absolutely right. You read the Bible and you, um, I mean, how many chapters of the New Testament can you read without getting condemned? I get to about chapter 5 of Matthew, Matthew 5, and I'm done. I mean, there, you know, fornication in the human uh, world is, you know, a sexual act outside of marriage. But in the, in the Bible, even you have the thought. So not just the act, but now the thought. Same is true with um, murder. Uh, you know, thou shalt not kill. But in the New Testament, it is if you hate your brother, you know, you've committed murder. These, these are very, very high. Uh, not only forget, forgive your enemy, but you need to love your enemy. Right. Who has ever heard of such a thing? Okay, well, you know... Um, I wanted to read y'all one little passage here from John Locke. He is a famous scholar, and my wife gave me this quote. And he sum, summarized up his thoughts on the matter of morality. He said, in morality, this quote, In morality there are books enough written by ancient and modern philosophers, but the morality of the gospel doth so exceed them, sorry, exceed them all, that to give a man full knowledge of true morality, I shall send him to no other book than the New Testament. <laughs> so that was John Locke's uh, statement. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things about morality, about the family. The family is uplifted and honored and so forth and so on. Everywhere the Bible has gone and prevailed, um, what has happened? The society has improved, right? Because it has a high moral tone. And it calls people to a higher living. All right, so then, um, so basically those two, the Koran and the Mor Book of Mormon get kind of uh, wiped out there on point, uh, or at least questioned on point two, uh, and the Bible go proceeds on to point three. We'll, um, we'll continue to talk about the others though too. So we have point three, tells of past and future of the world, and of course we have Genesis and Revelation giving us wonderful <laughs> descriptions of the beginning and the ending of the world. There are so many prophecies in the Bible that have come true, at least half. And some of them are so astounding, like Tyre and Sidon, these two cities, they were very similar. It would be like Austin and Houston Day or something, big cities at that time. And God said, if you guys don't repent, you're going to get wiped out. And to the point, there's going to be nothing left but a bunch of rubble, and the fishermen are going to spread their nets there. That's all that's going to be there. So anyway, if you go down there now to the... Uh, to uh, Mediterranean Sea area, and you go to where Tyre and Sidon used to be, you know what you find? A bunch of rubble and fishermen spreading their nets out on the rocks. <laughs> Is that not amazing? Okay, that's just one. Okay, how about, um, behold, a virgin shall be with child. <laughs> Who's ever heard of something like that? How about the Lord needed to be born in Bethlehem? I mean, that was prophesied in the Old Testament. How's he going to die? He's going to be crucified. Do you know that was written 400 years before they even implemented crucifixion as a capital punishment? <laughs> I mean, what are the odds of that? I have a paper that actually puts odds on these different prophecies. Like, what, how, what is the odds that this would have happened just by chance? And it's amazing. Some of them are like 10, 1 to 10 in the 5th, 1 to 10 in the 7th, 1 to 10. And I mean, then you start adding them up. And I don't know what you do with, uh, you know, exponents when you add exponents. Anyway... It gets very, very high, the, the odds that this, I mean, the, are, are low, I guess, the odds that this could ever happen just by happenstance. So anyway, the Bible tells us of, of these kind of things. You know, the Book of Mormon does have some prophecies, and if you look at the leaf on the inside, it talks about, you know, the, the discovery of America, 
the, um, something that, you know, what happened to the Native Americans. I think it has prophecy in there about the Civil War. You know, there's all these supposed prophecies in the Book of Mormon. So apparently that book does tell you. The only problem is they don't have any, there's no recorded um, existence of the book, of any copy of the Book of Mormon until 1827. <laughs> so, so it basically was prophesying things in the past. <laughs> okay. Mm. <laughs> so there are some prophecies in there, but since they were in the past, I don't think that really counts. Um, and the book of the Koran, it is, I don't know if y'all realize this, the Koran is only one quarter the size of the New Testament. Very small. And it's mainly filled with ethical teachings. It does not have that much in the way of uh, prophecies and, uh, and about what happened or what's going to happen. Okay, let's go on to simple and available. You know, if you try, if, if it was the Rig Veda that God was using to uh, speak to us, we're done. It's written in Sanskrit, an almost unreadable language. And have you all ever seen a copy of that book? Anybody here ever seen a copy of that book? Oh, you have? No, the Rig Veda, <laughs> the Hindu book. <laughs> okay, I'm done too. I, it's not available, right? Neither is it simple. Uh, but the Bible is, do you, know how many, do you know how many copies are printed and sold or distributed per year? Take a guess. Over 100 million per year. Some, one, one place I found it said 200 million, and one said 100 million. So somewhere in between, 100 million and 200 million copies are printed and distributed every year. And now it's, yeah, anyway, it's on the internet now as well. But, um, so that Bible passes all these tests. So I hope you realize, not to mention, there's some other things you could get into. What book would people die for? People have died for the Bible. You know, if you are possessed this book, you will die. They don't let go. They won't give it up, right? <laughs> it's really something. Okay, anyway, we won't get into all this. Okay, then let's go on to now uh, testing the man or the founder. Okay, because the second way, remember I talked about in the revelational uh, the way of revelation, God would have to communicate with man. He could use writing, and he could also use speaking. Okay, so if God is going to speak with man, I don't know if you all have ever read in the Old Testament, but God did try to speak to, you know, people on a mountain, Mount Sinai, and he comes down, and there's the top of the mountain's on fire, and there's darkness, and there's an earthquake. I mean, it's a very scary situation. And the people of Israel are like, don't let God speak to us. Moses, you go, you go talk to him. Don't let him speak to us. We don't want to talk to God. Uh, because in his divine form, he is unable to come and have a chat with us. Just like if you try to go talk to some deer or you go try to go talk to some birds, what happens? They're out of here. They're, they're, yeah. So, but if you wanted to talk to some pigeons, you know what would be a great way to do it? Or have some communication? Be to become a pigeon. Then you could just enter right in. They wouldn't have any problem with you at all. Right? You could cluck away. <laughs> cluck away with the other pigeons. So this man that we're looking for is a man um, coming from God and even is God. He's coming in the form of man. Why? To speak to man and to reveal himself to man, to reveal his intention to man. Okay, so if we're going to look for that man, we have to look at all these religions, and we don't have to look very far, um, because none of them, uh, Confucius did not claim divinity, 
Sakyamuni, uh, the founder of the Buddhist uh, religion, he did not claim to be God, nor did he even believe in God. <laughs> okay, so he's discounted. Uh, Muhammad did believe in God uh, and said he was a prophet. Joseph Smith did not claim to be God. Um, actually, in all these different books and, uh, I mean, in, in all these different religions, the, the founder, there's only one person that claimed to be God, Jesus of Nazareth. And he claimed to be God. Now I want to read you a couple of things he said. And, uh, okay, starting with, um, this is John 10. And he said, uh, this is John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. And then uh, the Jews there started to stone him. Okay, he just done some marvelous works. And they said, we are not stoning you for a good work, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, are making yourself God. Okay, so that's John 10, 30 and 33. All right, and then um, let me look here, another verse. Um, got them all marked here. Okay, so this one here is in John 8, and uh, the Jews again are, are giving Jesus some trouble. And he said, they said, Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? The prophets died too. Who are you making yourself? Okay, and Jesus answered, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, listen to this, before Abraham came into being, I am. Okay, well, when we read that, we might think, oh, there's a grammatical error there or something, you know, not knowing. But if you go back to the Old Testament, any Jew would have known because what this meant. And that is because when, when uh, Jehovah appeared to Moses, and he's getting ready to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, he appears to, the, to Moses in a burning bush. And so he talks to Moses, and then Moses says, Who, who should I tell him sent me? Who, who are you? <laughs> you know, he says, I am. I am that I am. Go tell him I am sent you. <laughs> I am. So that's God's name in the Old Testament. And Jesus says, Before Abraham came into being, that's before he was born, I am. Wow, what a statement, huh? Okay, anyway, there's, there's, there's many more. Um, uh, this is this. Okay, one more. Just let me just, my wife's like, don't read so many verses. Okay, let me, let me just read this, this one more. Okay, so in John 14, 6, and we're very familiar with this verse. He says, I am, Jesus says, I am the way and the reality and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Some, some versions say I'm the way and the truth and the life. Okay, the next verse, listen to this. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Think about that. God, remember, he wants to reveal himself. That's our supposition. Here, he's become a man. And how, what's he doing? He's speaking. And he's living among these people. And he's telling them, if you have seen... Okay, let me, let me finish reading. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. This is John 14, by the way. And uh, verse 9... Jesus said to him, Have I been so long a time with you, and you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Think about that statement. He who has seen me has seen the Father. Okay, and then, uh, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Okay, anyway, so these are just some of the verses. But this man, he claimed to be God while he lived on the earth. Okay, was his entrance, well, let's consider these other people. Was any of these other religious founders, was their entrance into the world different from ours? Nope. They were all born of a woman with a man okay was jesus born of, the, of this same source was he born the same way everybody else was 
No, his birth was from a, just from a woman. He was born of a virgin. Wow. Okay, that tells you a little something about who he is. Just by, and you know, you might think, some people say, well, you know, I mean, how could that really have happened? I mean, there has to be 46 chromosomes and da 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 da. Okay, Luke, who was a physician, in his gospel, in verse 1 3, you know what he says? This is really interesting. This is like right, right at the start of his gospel. He was, he, he was a doctor. And he said, It seemed good to me also, having carefully investigated all things from the first, to write them out for you. And one of the first things he talks about is the virgin birth. So he surely looked into this, carefully investigated, right? So there were people he could talk to, eyewitnesses. He might have been able to talk to Mary herself, um, Elizabeth, others. Uh, no one denied that Jesus was born. He came into the world from a, in a different way. Okay, let's look at the next one. Bears a moral tone far above others. Okay, if you look at Confucius, you know what Confucius said? He said, if I just have enough time, if you give me enough time, I can be rid of these moral flaws. Okay? I, I'll be able to get rid of these moral flaws. I just need time. That was Confucius. Okay? Joseph Smith, if you read what he wrote... I was just reading a few verses from the uh, Book of Mormon this week, and he's basically, God is saying to, to, to uh, don't take vengeance on Joseph Smith, or my servant Joseph, or however he says it. Um, in other words, and even, even ask his wife to forgive him. God tells his wife to forgive Joseph. So Joseph is obviously not, you know, a sinless man, because his own, the own book, God is telling people to forgive Joseph in the Book of Mormon. Okay, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into Muhammad. Muhammad, you know, depending on what you believe about that, he basically later, you know, in certain parts was uh, going around conquering by the sword. So, um, anyway, not a real high moral tone. Um, but with Jesus, listen to this. I love, love, I love to get to Jesus. Uh, he, he had no sin. Think about that. No sin. Okay. He stood up in front of his people he knew, his disciples, and his opposers, and said, Who is he who convicts me of sin? Anybody? Who? So I know there's some people right now in this room that could convict me of sin. <laughs> there's some people in this room who could tell you what I've done wrong. Okay. Um, but nobody had anything to say about Jesus. Then when he stands before Pilate, who is a top investigator, and this guy's been convicting people, you know, uh, right and left. He, he's a magistrate. He, eventually, he looks into it and says, I find no fault in this man. Do you know Jesus never had to apologize? Think about that. You know, we're always saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, excuse me, I, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. Jesus never said that. Isn't that mind-blowing? He was never wrong. Wow! Okay, talk about a high moral standing. Okay, so you start to realize this man is in a totally different category. He claims to be God. His entrance was different. He's in a, morally, he's in a whole different realm. And then um, is he able to do, or, or, or consider all these people, are they able to do things no other mortal can do? Again, I don't know every religious book out there, but, and I'm, I'm sure there might be some stories. But basically, no, Confucius didn't do anything special. Um, you know, neither did this founder of Buddhism or um, 
I think Muhammad supposedly uh, ascended, you know, there at the end. Um, but Jesus, listen, he just, again, blows everybody away. He walked on water. He stopped wind and waves. He fed 5,000 people. <laughs> he, and then when John the Baptist was a little, con, you know, he was in prison. He's wondering, well, why, am, why is God allowing this? And why is Jesus not delivering me? You know, what's going on? He asked Jesus, are you really the one? Jesus says, go tell him. Go tell him. The blind see. I'm opening the eyes of the blind. I am healing. Uh, the, the deaf people are hearing, right? The lame people are walking. Lepers are being cleansed. And the gospel is being preached to the poor. Not to mention he raised the dead. Anybody in any of these other religions raise the dead? Okay, so, you know, there again, I mean, you just, this is all by reason, okay? We're reasoning through this. And again, we're not here to, we're not here to you know, condemn anybody's religion. We're not going to go on a religion bashing uh, mission, okay? We just want to be inwardly, personally assured. We want to have the... Uh, we want to have the assurance of faith. You know, because anybody in any religion would say, oh, my religion is right. I'm a Hindu. Oh, my, my religion's right. Roel's a Buddhist. He's, he thinks his religion's right. Okay, every, everybody thinks their religion's right. So what we're trying to do here is, is get for us to know Christianity is right. It's the right one among all the religions, okay? And it also gives us boldness. You know, in this day and age, we need boldness to speak to others. And the Lord said, go, preach the gospel. Go, tell other people about me. Well, if you think that, you know, well, you know, I'm not too sure. Is, 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 is Christianity the only way? Then do you have boldness? Oh, I don't want to bother this poor Hindu, you know, or I don't want to bother this Buddhist. I don't want to bother this Muslim. I don't want to bother this Zoroaster person uh, or whatever. There's so many different religions today, and you can just even make up your own. Uh, so we want to have the boldness to speak. That's why we're doing this today. Okay, so let's go on here. Uh, oh, and also, of course, um, tells us the divine purpose concerning man. And that, uh, for sure, the, uh, the Lord did. Um, and again, mainly the Koran has the ethics and morality in a very short form. Um, so let's go on to the teachings. So with the teachings, um, basically, what I want to point out here is that... Um, with the, what is of the foremost importance? And all of them, basically, the foremost importance is the teaching, the doctrine, the ethics, the way of living, whatever. Where with Christianity, what is of topmost important is Jesus, a person. Okay, in other words, Confucius comes and he gives his teaching. He gives his, uh, you know, uh, philosophy. He gives his ethical rules. And, and then he goes away. And it doesn't affect the, his religion or, or his uh, ethical uh, set of rules. You can, you can just keep that, and you're a Confucius person. <laughs> you're in Confucianism. Uh, same with Buddhism. Uh, okay? And it's the same with all of them. The founder came, established the religion, gave the teachings, and left. And what you have left is the religion apart from the founder. In other words, the founder is disassociated from the religion itself. But with Christianity, <laughs> the religion, or the faith, you could say, is built on Christ. If Christ is taken out, there should be nothing left. Okay, if there's something left, then that is probably uh, not pure Christianity, right? Uh, so, but 
That is a big difference. So if you look at the, the New Testament is not a book of teachings. What do you open the New Testament? Who do you see here? What do you see? Jesus. John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God. The question is, and when you come to the Bible, is who is he? The Lord said, who do you say that I am? Who do they say that I am? That's the question. That's the only question. Not do you keep this teaching? Do you know this doctrine? Do you, do you live this way? No, none of that counts. What do you think of Jesus? <laughs> who is he? And of course, uh, I think you had a couple people there. Uh, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Uh, Peter, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Martha confessed, I know you're the Christ. And uh, the centurion, even when he was on the cross, said what? This is none other than the son of God. So they got the point. Okay, then, um, and of course, the relationship between God and man. You know, mainly with this natural religion, you have man here, you have God up there, you know, and then somehow, you know, if through either um, some teaching or some uh, conduct or, or something, we're hoping to uh, eventually get in his good graces, you know, but basically it's just God and man separated. Whereas in Christianity, the relationship between God and man, right from the beginning of the New Testament, is union. God coming into man. This is, of course, firstly in Jesus, but, if it, you know, he's called the only begotten son, but later on in Romans, he's called the firstborn son of God. And in 1 John, it says, we are children of God. That's why we call our God our father. Did you know you have a father? <laughs> My father's passed away, so it's so comforting that I still have a, I have a father. It's <laughs> My father's God. Why? Because he's come into me. He's given me his life. In Christ, I have his life. So this, this relationship of God and man is completely different in Christianity than it is in all the other religions. And then let me just point out some astounding statements that Jesus made, which no other religious uh, leader ever said. Uh, how about the first one? Well, let's just read them together. How about we read all four of them together? Ready? Go. Okay, so, I mean, those statements are just, those are not found <laughs> anything even close in other writings, okay? Those are amazing statements. Uh, so those are just another little thing that kind of sets the uh, Christianity aside, I mean, apart from these other religions. Okay, now I want to come to by revelation. So the first part is by reason. And again, there's a lot of other points you could, I'm sure there's whole books written on this subject um, you can get into and study this more if you want to. Uh, this is just, a, like I said, skimming the surface. But I hope it you know, causes you to think and realize, yes, we are on the right way. <laughs> Christianity is the right way. It's an entirely different category than every other religion. And so now I'm hoping we can have a revelation. Okay, when I was young, you know, y'all's age, younger, um, I got a revelation. And it was through the, the Lord's Word. And... <laughs> And it's, it's made me crystal clear ever since. It's really solved a lot of issues in my being. I am not confused at all um, if all the roads lead to Rome. You know, today, uh, you know, that was one saying. They said all roads lead to Rome. That means, you know, you could say, well, all religions, you know, you can go any which way to get to God. Okay. <laughs> is, that, is that true? No. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of people think it is. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. You know, whatever you think, bro. Just, you know, you can be your Buddhist. Uh, 
Yeah, it's okay to be Hindu. You know, that's fine. I understand. Yeah. God, God, God is, you know, Allah be merciful, um, you know, or whatever. So this, in this age of moral, you know, relativism and multiculturalism, it is confusion. Very confusing, you know. But we have to realize, let's all read that subheading under by Revelation. You ready? God has a way. Man has a choice. Okay, so all, if I'm sitting here saying all roads lead to God, all religions lead to God, but then you find out, oh, God has a way. Oh, hmm. What, what, what should I do? Can I take any way? It would probably be smart to take God's way, <laughs> the way that God has revealed. Okay, so let's read these verses here, um, Genesis 4, 1 through 8. Uh, we'll do the brothers on uh, 1 and then sisters 2. We'll alternate. So 1, 2, 3, 4, you know, all the way through verse 8. So brothers, ready, go. Verse 1. So I hope y'all have all read that story before. That's the fourth chapter in Genesis. Um, but if you haven't, you just, you just read it just now. And it, it's actually really sad. You know, um, this is the second generation of mankind. Adam and Eve, they had two sons. <laughs> so you've basically got four people on the earth here. And, and one of them kills the other one. Um, and, you know, throughout the history, centuries, people, you know, they get to the fourth chapter already of the, of the Bible, and they're like, wait a minute. God's not fair. I don't, nobody understands what, what, why. You know, because the, the source of the, uh, the murder was um, that basically, think about it, involved religion. <laughs> the first murder in the Bible was over religion. So they, you know, anyway, you got still things going on in the name of religion. But, uh, so, so uh, Why? question is, people throughout all the ages, why? Why did God accept Abel's offering and not accept Cain's? That was the problem, right? So Abel, got, his offering got accepted by God. His countenance was lifted up. You ever seen a brother or sister with their countenance lifted up? They are justified by God. They're at peace with God. They're rejoicing before the Lord. Their countenance is up. Okay, have you ever seen somebody with countenance is down? Ugh. Yeah, sometimes we're both, right? But anyway, uh, not right with God, not justified, not at peace, 
and not rejoicing. Okay, so that was Cain's state and Abel's. Okay, why though? Why? That's the, that's the question. Okay, so we have to go on to Hebrews 9.22. This is in the New Testament, but this verse tells us why. And, and brings in a lot of light. Okay, so let's read uh, Hebrews 9.22. And almost all things... Okay, so right here, we realize the reason Abel's was offering was accepted and Cain's was rejected is because God has a way. God has a way. And Abel took this way. Okay, Abel offered up something of the flock, something of uh, animals, and that involves the shedding of blood in his offering to God. Cain's offering was what? Fruit of the ground, some grain. Do you think he worked hard for it? I think he did. I think he worked really hard. In fact, I think he might have worked harder than Abel. <laughs> so the question is not how hard you work. The question is, did you take God's way? That's the only question. If you took God's way, offering accepted. You took your own way, offering rejected. Okay. Let me just put, these, put this up here. With this natural religion, eventually you just have, um, you just have, uh, well, I can't remember what I wrote. Oh, yeah, you have um, man's way or man's, uh, you know, I think Cain invented this way. Uh, man's effort. Okay. And it was sincere, probably sincere. Worked hard, et cetera, et cetera. But with this way, the way of Abel, you have God's redemption. Okay? Shedding of blood. The paying of a price. That is God's way. Now, we are talking the second generation of mankind here. Okay? This story can become to us a window, a revelation into all the religions of the world today. Okay, and I'm going to continue on just a little bit here. You think about it. Let's, let's read the next verse, Hebrews 11.3. Let's, let's read that verse. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying to his gifts, and through faith, though he has died, he still speaks. Okay, this is amazing. By faith. Abel. So this is like a little bit of a puzzle. But y'all can remember these verses, okay? This really will help you um, to understand the story of Cain and Abel. So by faith, Abel, and I underline that word faith. Okay, where did Abel get this faith from? You have to ask yourself, where did he get this faith? Well, let's read the next verse. Romans 10, 13. That's what I'm saying. It looks like a little puzzle. Okay, you ready? So faith comes out of hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Okay, so Abel, in order to have faith, <laughs> to know that this was God's way, he must have heard it. He had to hear it. Okay, well, who did he hear it from? Well, he could have heard it from God, granted. Or he could have heard it from the first generation. <laughs> who was that? Adam and Eve, his parents. Okay, his parents. What would they, what, why, how would they have known? How would they have known God's way? Okay, well, think about back to the garden there. They're in the garden. They eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They are um, supposed to die, and they now know, realize, oh my gosh, we are naked. We cannot stand before God like this. <laughs> we need to do something, or at least we need to try to do something. So what do they do? They 
put together some fig leaves to cover themselves, to cover their nakedness, in the hopes that they would be able to stand before, the, before God, okay, in their fig leaves, okay? So God comes in, and, you know, again, they were supposed to die, but rather than killing them, he cursed, firstly, the serpent, then he cursed the man, he cursed the woman, but he didn't kill them. He made a promise. There's going to be a seed. You're going to bring forth one, and he's going to crush that serpent. So he, God preached the gospel to them. This was another prophecy. Think about that seed of the woman, born of a virgin. Again, there's another prophecy right from the third chapter of Genesis that was fulfilled in Jesus. Um, okay, anyway. Um, so they believe this gospel. We know that because it says that uh, uh, he, well, he called, um, Adam called his wife's name Eve, which means living. So they, you know that they believe that gospel message. Okay, then Peter tells us, from the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. Okay, sorry, I got, got ahead of myself a little bit there. Right after that, it says that God covered them with skins. Okay, God covered them with skins. Okay, I don't know, this is not, I, I was thinking about maybe if I had a, if I had a coat with it made out of skin of some sort, that'd be pretty cool. But anyway, so you just imagine, I'm, I'm there trying to hide. We're there trying to hide our nakedness. And then uh, God says, forget those fig leaves. Let me give you this. And it's a coat of skins. And so then they put on these skins, and they're able to stand before God. Okay, now it doesn't tell us this, but, but where do you, you have to imply a little bit. Where do skins come from? Come from an animal. Okay, so the fact that God covered them with skins shows us his way. You're not going to stand before me with your, you know, contrivance or your invention of some fig leaf covering. The only way you're going to stand before me now, you fallen people, is covered with skins, which came from an animal which shed its blood for you. <laughs> so here was the first sacrifice performed by God in the garden, right? That animal, probably maybe a lamb, we don't know. But it died that they could live. Is that not amazing? This was surely what they told uh, Cain and Abel. They told them the story. Listen, guys, we were there. We were so scared. God told us we we're going to die. And instead of us dying, this animal died. It, it, was, it was sacrificed instead of us. And then on top of that, we got to get clothed in its skin. <laughs> Isn't this amazing? Another little picture of Christ there as the one who died for us. You know, John saw Jesus coming. He says, behold, the Lamb of God. So when I said earlier about Peter saying from the foundation of the world, the Lamb was slain, when God forgave them and did not kill them in that garden and that animal got slaughtered, that was a promissory note. Christ is going to die. So basically from that point, Christ had to die. He will die because God has taken that payment for your sin. And all through the Old Testament, all the lambs and rams and, and, and doves and everything else, all the blood that was shed was all pointing forward to Christ coming. Okay, so Abel, he heard this from his parents. What did he say? Amen. I'm going to take that way. I'm going to take God's way. I'm going to take the way of redemption. Okay, what did Cain do? 
Cain surely heard the same story. He might have even heard it more than Abel because he was the first son. What did he do? Nah. All roads lead to Rome. I mean, I can take any way I want. I'm going to invent my own way. <laughs> I'll take my own way. And so he, he did this whole thing with the grain that was not, never authorized, never, uh, never uh, accepted by God. And so this, I don't know if y'all can see the picture. Do y'all see the picture? What is different from Christianity is Christianity has blood. <laughs> we have the blood of Jesus. Amen. Do the Muslims have the blood of Jesus? No. Well, they would if they would, if they would believe in Jesus. The blood of Jesus is for every man. But because they, uh, they take another way, they're, they're in, in, if you see this revelation, you realize they are just producing grain. Are they working hard? Yes. Seven times a, 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 day, a day or whatever, bowing down to Mecca. Okay, is that, is that, that's, that's more of the prayer than I do. I'm not, I'm not praying, I don't think I'm praying seven times. Well, I hope, anyway, who knows? But the point is, it's not a matter how hard you work. It's just a matter of taking God's way. God sent his son. Do you take it or not? Will you take this way? So many people have taken another way. So many people. Um, and so anyway, when I saw this revelation, I got clear. I saw all the religions of the earth. You're either on the way of Abel or you're on the way of Cain. Okay, so what happens if you take the way of Cain? Well, you know, with Cain, he ended up being like a vagabond wandering. Okay. And his life basically was just a mammoth heap of vanity. I mean, he created a bunch of, formed a city or whatever. But basically, he's just wandering in vanity. And you know where that all ends up? At the end of the Bible? Does it end up in the city of water? In the New Jerusalem? No, it ends up in the lake of fire. So that's the end of all of man's work will be the lake of fire. Okay? And this is one reason we want to tell people about Christ because we want to rescue them from the lake of fire. Okay? So this should give us boldness. All right, what is, what is the issue of God's redemption? If you take this way. You say, Lord Jesus, thank you. You died for me. You are the son of God. I believe in you. You know what happens immediately? All that he accomplished at the cross gets applied to you. You get forgiven. You get justified. And you get joined to God. So there's union. <laughs> union. God and man get united. All right. And then, uh, and finally, of course, you know, we have the, uh, we have the uh, ultimate destiny of that. Our destiny, the destiny of the way of Abel, is the new Jerusalem. So anyway, that's, the, uh, that's about the end of what I had to say there. I, I hope you can see that revelation in, in Genesis chapter 4. Again, the fourth chapter of the Bible. You put together these other three verses to help you see where could Abel, how, did he, how could he have known to take this way? Uh, well, he had faith. How did he get the faith? It was, had to be through his parents. And then you look at his parents' experience and you realize, oh my, they were... Doing what? Sowing the leaves. Cain was offering the grain. It's just the same. No blood. They're taking away without blood. Whereas Abel, he took, and of course Adam and Eve did too. Eventually they got redeemed. Uh, that lamb was uh, sacrificed. They got joined. Even that coat being on them is, is a symbol of the union. You're now, you're now inside the one who died for you. <laughs> you're one with him. Isn't that something? Uh, and even in the pa at the Passover, you got to eat the one who died for you. And then uh, eventually this will all end up in the New Jerusalem. So this is huge. 
I hope you realize the difference is extraordinary. There's not, they're not even close. <laughs> Christianity is right because it's God's way. It's not right because I was born in America or because I was born, you know, or, or anything. It's right because it's God's way. And it, it is the way of redemption. And he gave his son for every man. And every man has the chance to believe in the Lord Jesus and be cleansed from all his sins and get on to the way of uh, Abel. Unfortunately, today, many people don't. And a lot of the reason they don't is because of all the other religions of the world. So, um, anyway, that's it for my uh, presentation. Um, Again, we're not here bashing other religions. We just want to be assured in our own heart we're on the right way. And we wanted the boldness to speak to others that, to get them onto the right way, right? So I hope we take it with the right spirit. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.